0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather bible carrying case and cover pull up a chair and let's dig in first off jake we owe people an apology by which i mean you owe people an apology for your dang microphone why have you been at the bottom of a tin can for weeks and what do you have to say for yourself how many weeks was it actually? I don't know. It was long. I gotta say to our listeners, we didn't know. I mean, we record these episodes, so we don't always go back and listen to the final version. Yeah. Because yeah. hey, we were there. But I recently went back to listen, and I was, I like, too. Why I was does, like, why does Jake sound like he's like three kilometers away? And, I sounded uh, like uh, so an electron,
1: so it was terrible, and I'm so clearly some quality and
0: control issues. Heads will roll in Mockingbird <laughs> HQ. You can bet your bottom dollar on that right now, but hopefully we've fixed the problem. So mea
1: culpa, actually Jake-a-culpa. Yeah, uh, I think what anyways. was happening was is that I was had a different set of headsets. Yeah, yeah, No, nobody cares, nobody cares. How so, you doing, Jake? I'm good, I'm good. Well, you know, we're <laughs> over it. So, but anyway, God willing, I hope I fixed. See, I mean, my job is to preach and to turn, uh, you know... To, to preach and give the gospel, and dude, I had no idea that anyway I had two mics on at the same exact time. Um, no wonder there are now a couple of twos in our ratings. So listeners, get there and uh, get us back to five, get us back to the two point five that we it deserve. Up, bump it yeah. Up. Do so, we really, yeah. Hey, hey, really quick. So I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. It's uh
0: it's January in Waco, Texas, which means it's actually. Kind of cold here. Yeah. Uh, the leaves, such as we have, have fallen, and I'm I'm wearing layers. But I'm I'm doing good. Uh, good. Headed to annual meeting. So many of our listeners who are preachers, who are Episcopal clergy people, are going to be headed to their annual meetings as well. <laughs> so we'll say a little prayer for you. And are there any mockingbird events coming up that we have? Oh, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Actually, uh, by the time this drops, it will have people will have people will still have the post conference glow from the Mockingbird Conference in Oklahoma, which is coming up. And so if you went to that, I hope it was great. But coming up, we have uh, a same old song event, which you can go to mbird.com for information about how to sign up for that. But this is something that is going to be specifically for any of our listeners who are preachers and want to talk to Jake and me. The Probably the two greatest living preachers in the world, <laughs> would you say, Jake? I Maybe mean, you the know, universe. You know, definitely top five. So, but definitely top five preachers who were born in Houston and Arizona. Yeah, I was born in Utah, so clearly oh. top one in Utah. Top but anyway. one. <laughs> All right, but you did grow up in Arizona. Yeah. Interesting. Some All of your right. backstory coming up. Mm. Okay, mm. so, but. Uh, Coming up, there's gonna be an event, yes, preaching the gospel in Lent. And we're gonna that's not the official title. It's similar to the official title. <laughs> you can there's a well-oiled machine here, folks. But go to ember.com if you want more information on this uh, uh, it'll be a virtual gathering same old songs first virtual gathering for people that are preaching in the season of Lent and we're gonna be talking through uh, some of those uh, <laughs> tips and tricks and uh, Lent preaching hacks not really mm-hmm. we don't believe in hacks but we do mm-hmm. believe in preaching the gospel and we're gonna be talking about that I'll be doing a, uh, I'll be teaching
1: everybody a card trick so
0: anyway hey Um yeah, we're going to be showing you some of the puppets we use for our Lenten Sermons series. Um, so, it's, it. I, but here, it's in all seriousness, January 27th, uh, so it's come, if you're listening to this, is dropping on the 24th of January, that means you have three days to sign up. Uh, it's going to be at 7 p.m., and it's crafting the gospel-focused sermon for... Lent. Uh, So you're not too late. Go to Ember.com to register, and uh, we'd love to meet you guys if you're
1: Mm -hmm. listeners of Same Old Song. love to meet you and help talk through uh, your Lenten preaching stuff. Absolutely. And then uh, last but not least, two things. Uh, Well, no, just one thing. Uh, The upcoming New York City Mockingbird Conference is right around the corner, never too early to start planning, and that will be uh, Thursday, April 28th. Through um, Friday, April thirtieth, and it's a great time, a lot of fun. And then on May first, it's Eid Al Fitr. Just in case you're curious, but anyway, um, um, I, I don't know what that is. But anyway, it's on my calendar. So anyway, but stay come in your to lane, that.
0: Jake. Stay in, stay in your lane. lane. <laughs>
1: yeah. So anyway, but want to encourage you all to come to and make plans to come to our first New York City in person conference since 2019. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you're new to Mockingbird or maybe Same Old Song is like your chief engagement with Mockingbird, you've never been to a conference, I highly recommend. They're one of the highlights of the year. It's one of the many things I've missed most during the pandemic Mm -hmm. is not having the New York conference, but it is a blast. So Mm -hmm. hope to see you all in Calvary St. George's. And I think the plan is to record a live, do a live taping of the podcast and and all that. So if you'd like to hear your voice as a heckler in the background of Same Old Song, (laughs) come to New York and you can have that opportunity.
1: You're not funny. <laughs> boring! Okay. So, uh, G- our readings today are Speaking Jeremiah- Speaking of boring, let's yeah, move on to the Bible. To the Bible. Bible. All right. Jeremiah the Bible. chapter one, verses four through 10. Then we have 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses one through 13, the love passage. I believe I think God love. Uh, preached at every wedding. And then Luke chapter four, verses 21 to 30. So, uh, starting off here, we have Jeremiah the prophet and uh, he is a prophet in Judah and first of all just can we say no one ever signs up to be a prophet um you know it's uh, you know I, the other day this person was like i have i chose to be a prophet and i was like nope nobody ever chooses to be a prophet uh, a prophet is appointed by god and in the old testament their lives were typically miserable
0: terrible mm-hmm. jeremiah at one point had to like get some dirty underwear and <laughs> <laughs> Show it to people. I'm not kidding. This is not actually anxiety. a
1: fascinating apologetic against uh, Muslims uh, whenever I have conversations with Muslims. And their whole point is that prophets shouldn't suffer. And this is why Jesus could never have died on a cross. And I'm like, clearly, you know nothing. The Quran knows nothing of the Old Testament prophets. And so um, because the prophets' lives here are a mess. And so why don't you say a little bit about Jeremiah. Beyond uh, just showing his underwear. <laughs> well, there went our ecumenical
0: relationships. Uh, so yeah, but it is interesting. the The work of uh, Jeremiah here is um, he, he. Anybody? Yeah, as, as Jake you said, all prophets in the scriptures basically have no friends, and they have a very difficult life. And uh, that is there. There is not a single example that doesn't meet that. I mean, Jesus, obviously, he gets deserted by all his friends, and he's left out, hung out to dry at the end of his ministry. So, um, from beginning to end, being a prophet is a tough gig. I think uh, so this is for Sunday after the Epiphany, and we're getting a kind of ongoing revelation of who God is, and we're just kind of Really hopscotching around the Old Testament and cherry picking passages that uh, are sort of so you don't, you're not getting a full narrative. But if you wanted to say something about Jeremiah, this is pre exile. This is God saying, Jeremiah, I want you to talk to the people of Israel and let them know that if they don't get their act together, they will fall into exile and the Babylonians are coming and nobody ever listens to what Jeremiah says and the exile happens and it's the worst. This um, would have been the 6th century BC. And I think there's, if you're going to preach this, a couple things. Um, The uh, fact that god calls someone who feels completely inadequate to the task and the task will then fail despite god's presence and power and yet god's plan to save the world is not thwarted and there's something very powerful about uh god will accomplish what god wants to accomplish and it whether you sort of in your life succeed or fail, whether you feel adequate or inadequate up to the task or not, and nobody does, by the way, um, God will do what he wants to do. And so... Uh, there's there's something I think kind of kind of freeing in that. Um, so many people want God to be about building my success and my whatever and my vision board becoming a reality and the, different Christianity and sort of another manifesting sort of thing. But Jeremiah is a cautionary tale in that, and because he does not succeed, and yet God is with him. So God's presence with your life does not mean everything's going to go great, um, but it does mean that God loves you and is with you. But it doesn't always work out. So that's some of the stuff I would say. I know our listeners were like, when we asked for feedback, they were like, say less about the Old Testament. But hey, it's in the, it's in the lectionary. So we're going to talk about it. Jake, would you add anything or correct anything I've said?
1: Well, I think, you know, I think if I was preaching, I would really hammer home on the context of what's about to happen. And Israel's just been, Israel's been sacked and um, the sunset is upon Judah. Um, And, um... Uh, I think a lot of people in uh, your congregation may feel like the sunset is upon their life somehow or some way. Um, so one, and when, when people feel like the sunset is upon their life, <clears throat> the question is, is what is overtaking me? Is that stronger than God? And has uh, God forgotten me? And uh, the word of hope that comes right out of this passage is, uh, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you." Now, um, that some people should say could say, "Well, like you know, are you, um, you know, writing yourself into the text?" But, um, and on one level, yes, that that is the gospel. You know, this is what he's saying to Jeremiah, and this is what he's saying to you. And uh, the powerful thing is, is that this just isn't some random word, but this is. Um, This is a word that comes with divine authority from from God himself, Uh, and he is letting them know that their circumstances, the sunset is not the final say, and two, that he's in control, and that uh, that he's so in control that he knew them even uh, before they were formed in the womb. And that's a good news, that God knows you. I am the Lord your God is uh, the gospel. Before you knew anything about God, he knew you. And, uh, and he's put words in your mouth as well, preacher, and that those words come with power. Uh, oftentimes you'll hear, I just was talking to someone who's like, Jake, actions always speak louder than words. Uh, n- not in this case. Uh, this mm. The word comes with power, and it comes to deliver, it comes to destroy, and it comes to assure and raise from the dead.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking a word is an action, and it is actually the action by which God creates the universe and, and by redeems. which Jesus heals people and cults people. Yeah, so uh, it's not a word versus actions thing. A word is an action.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, we believe in the living word.
1: Mm. So
0: let's move on from Jeremiah chapter one. Let's turn to a passage that nobody's heard before, 1 Corinthians
1: 13. You know where I want to... You know where I really think this should <clears throat> should be read at? Weddings. Fierls. Weddings. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think can, it applies Can we have this at my wedding? So anyway, but... <laughs> Just you know this joking. is this
0: is one of the only Bible verses ever to be included in an episode of 30 Rock. Mm. Uh, there's a wedding which Liz Lemon attends right. played by Tina Fey and she has to stall and so she's She just gets up, and she's, like, singing songs, and she's just reading Bible passages. But she reads uh, this passage. It's when she was considering marrying the white English guy (laughs) humorously named Wesley Snipes. And uh, her former boyfriend, played by Jason Sudeikis, was the one actually getting married, actually. Mr. Ted Lasso himself, Coach Lasso. That has nothing to do with this. Anyways, 1 Corinthians 13... It is often chose to be about weddings or read at weddings because it's about love. But it's in a passage about spiritual gifts and about Christians being terrible to each other and competing over who was the best Christian and who had the coolest spiritual gifts and who had the most, like you know, prayer languages and different tongues and interpretations and all that sort of stuff. And Paul yeah. is saying, you human beings are turning this into another... A contest of who's better, and none of it is hmm. uh, none of it matters at all if you don't have love, which is meaning putting other people above yourself, because the gospel is about. Yeah. Um, uh, is about grace, not about achievement. It's about being loved simply because you're loved as opposed to anything you've accomplished. And so all these prophetic powers and mysteries and knowledge, whatever, it doesn't mean anything if, if it's not rooted and established
1: yeah. in can, love. Can I just say, when you're preaching this, this isn't things that you should have. Because oftentimes uh-huh. people preach that. You know, Paul is speaking rhetorically here. Like he's he's not like he's not like well you should definitely speak in tongues of angels and mortals you should definitely you know have prophetic but like that's not what he's saying he's speaking rhetorically because he's speaking against these super apostles that are like I mean you know sacraments and a sermon that's great you know but what you really need is this and uh, Melina hates it when I do the voice but anyway I that love was the voice. the voice
0: and so I think we should do a whole episode just in the voice. <laughs>
1: So, but that's, uh, you have to understand right here, he's speaking rhetorically. But then he moves into uh, this idea of love. And um, I love sharing this illustration. I believe I did it three years ago. Um, But you and I are one-trick ponies. Um, Never gets old. Never gets old. But there was an episode of The Amazing Race. I don't know if you remember. And they had the, like, classic Christian couple on. And she was reading... um, you know, she started her day reading, you know, she's like, every morning we wake up and we have our own private devotion and then we have our own devotions together. And, you know, and they were like, Reading and she was reading and when I read First Corinthians, I just said Kelly is patient. Kelly is kind. Kelly is not envious And then of course the entire episode is her screaming at her fiance <laughs> and like just <laughs> Anything but patient kind and envious, you know, she's, mad she's at maybe it. a little irritable a little resentful Not a little a whole lot, but you know, but he says but do not have love I gain nothing now So what is love? Well, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, So uh, what Paul is saying here is, is, but do not have have Jesus, I gain nothing. Because up in the earlier part, it's all about like sermon, bread and wine. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, the gospel, but, you know, and we get that all the time. The gospel, but, and Paul's like, let me give you the but. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Jesus does not s- insist on his own way. He's not irritable or resentful. You know, right here, you see what it's all about and what has been given to you, uh, which enables you to be patient with others.
0: I like big butts and I cannot lie. Sorry. I think I made that joke before the last time you made a reference too big.
1: But. I love this year too. And now Faith <laughs> doesn't even Dang. take my bait. <laughs> You just move it on. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. This The way this is oftentimes taught is that these are like three kind of like gradually growing virtues. Uh, Not Mm. at all, you know what I mean? That's not what this is about. Like, all right, i got faith and then I get a little hope, but finally I will have love. Like that's not what this is about. This is about how life actually is. And uh, actually in this life, all there is is first faith, because I can't see it. I'm like Jeremiah. The sun is Mm. setting on my life, so I've got to have something outside of myself to believe, and that's Jesus who's patient with me, who's kind with me. Uh, This creates hope, which enables me just to sit where I'm at. And then finally, a love, Christ himself. And uh, soon, uh, the greatest of these, and the only thing that will remain is Christ himself, because I will see him face to face.
0: Yeah, I think... Uh, in preaching this, there are many, well, I would say there are many times, I would preach just like you preach it, Jake, but I think there are many times where people preach this as a law, uh, because it does sound like Paul is saying, these other spiritual gifts, uh, while they are important, they're not ultimate, and the most important thing is love, so get out there and love people. And uh, there are preachers that are going to say let me now tell you how to love people and give you very specific ways to apply this passage and what love looks like in that preacher's mind. And I think it's important to remember what Paul is saying here with the word love, is that's just another name for Jesus. It's, 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 as, it's who, again, this is a season of Epiphany, revealing what, a, what is revealed about God in Christ, that God is patient, God is kind, God is not envious or boastful or arrogant, God does not insist on on his own way, God rejoices in the truth, not in wrongdoing, endures all things. Like this is, Paul is putting words around what he himself has experienced from Jesus Christ and what every believer experiences from Jesus Christ. This is the attitude of the father towards the prodigal son, this is the attitude of Jesus towards the woman caught in adultery, it's the attitude of Jesus towards Peter after he denies him three times. So this is a description of God, not a description of what you are supposed to go out there and through your sheer willpower and white knuckling get done. It's not going to happen uh, because you are you and I are much more like that lady on The Amazing Race than uh, Jesus. And so if if you preacher can have your congregation understand that this is about how God acts towards them, you might plant a seed through the power of the Holy Spirit. They walk out of your church knowing that they're loved. Like this. This is what God's God's love is not just My Little Pony kind of rainbows bursting from God's chest or something like that. that that's Care Bears. I'm mixing up my images here. But if um, sometimes we say God is love and that's sort of just kind of a feeling, like God 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 has God has a good feeling in His heart when He thinks about you. That's what I mean. It. That's that's not it. I mean, yes, He does, but th- I mean, it's it's self-sacrificial, blood-on-the-floor kind of love, and, and this is what Paul is trying to describe. And it's phenomenal. So I think that's, I mean, that's where I would go with this, is to try to say this is about God, not about you, and um, you, um, if you try to do this on your own, you will fail. If you begin to realize that this is about how you have already been loved, you might, by God's work in your heart through the Holy Spirit, be able to love other people this way. But if you ever love anybody in this way it will be the work of God. It's it's a miracle. Human beings don't do this on their own, naturally speaking. Man. That's what I
1: would say. That's great. I'd listen okay. to that. So, Thanks, um, and then we come to, the, finally, our gospel reading. And um, this is... Finally,
0: uh, what people are actually mm-hmm. going to preach
1: on. <laughs> so, uh I uh, lost my train of thought. No, uh, so Jesus has just finished uh, preaching his sermon uh, from Isaiah, where he says, This has been fulfilled in your hearing. And clearly, his uh, sermon in this synagogue was what I call a grenade sermon. So it boom. rolled out onto the floor. It didn't <laughs> quite explode because it all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. And then, but boom, then. <laughs> they said. Wait a second. Wait, hold on. What are you talking about, Willis? Is not this That's Joseph's right. son, he said to them? And they like he senses it's coming. And, of course, Jesus gets ahead of the train and crashes it for them. And he says, he just, like, stokes the fire. And he says, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb. So he, basically what happened is, and this is what happens when you preach the gospel oftentimes, especially with, like, the active folks who are trying to, like, help God out. Um, you know, and, uh, 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 what will happen is, is that they'll begin to, they'll, they'll love your sermons. And then all of a sudden they'll be like, wait, it, like I've been listening about six weeks of these and he's given me nothing to do. You know what I mean? Like, what's the problem? And this is what's kind of happening along. And so, um, and instead of, uh, waiting for the questions to come, Jesus gets ahead of them and gives them a crushing, crushing proverb. Doubtless you will quote to me, Dr. Cure yourself. Like, Wait. You've got a like you've got a problem and you will say, do here in your hometown the things that you've been doing in Capernaum. Come on, be an all around wonderful entertainer. Jesus, turn some water into wine. That's what we want. Heal our blind people. Don't come talking about how you're like the fulfillment of that. Actually, the testimony of all these things that like prove to what you're saying. And so, um, you know, he like really calls it on the floor and he begins to point out to them through the Old Testament that God operates in the least of expected ways. God operates in a way that's actually totally offensive to us, uh, but it's good news. How would you piggyback on that, Aaron?
0: So the image I have in my mind of how this congregation in Nazareth, Jesus's hometown, reacts is whenever somebody does a spit take on TV, like you know, <laughs> they're drinking a glass of water and somebody says something crazy and they go and they spray it out. Like that's so because Jesus' sermon is this last sentence you hear in verse 21. Yeah. It's the only original part that Jesus adds to what he says. He just has gotten up. He's read a passage from Isaiah. No original thoughts there. Just quoting the Bible. And then he says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that's the. And they were like going along with Isaiah. Like, yeah, good, good, good. And then he says, today, I'm the guy that this passage is about. That's when they spit out all the uh, holy water they've been drinking. <laughs> well,
1: actually, because, yeah, that's good.
0: This is Joseph's son. Like, we know this guy. We grew up with him. You know, I went to his bar mitzvah. He's not, you know, he he wasn't that good of a dancer. And so um, when they say. This is something familiarity
1: breeds contempt. I mean, this is why I tell people don't evangelize your brothers and sisters. Like, they're like going to be like, dude, you were a jerk. I remember you. You know what I mean? And it's like tough. So. Yep. Yep, this is when Jake goes home to Yuma,
0: Arizona. <laughs> you don't care he's a rector of Calvary St. George's Episcopal Church in New, yeah. New York City. Like, I remember when you wore um,
1: a mushroom shirt. The I remember game. when you
0: drew that, drove that 92 uh, Mustang, yeah. the teal one, in that <laughs> ill-considered phase of colors for Ford. Uh, the um, the uh, thing he says here. Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, "Doctor, cure yourself." They're basically saying, "Oh, you think you're so great? You you've actually just claimed you're the Messiah." Well, put up or shut up. Show us your pomp and circumstance. Show us your magical powers. Actions uh, speak louder
1: than words, Jesus. Yeah, that's
0: right. And he he um he says, uh, and by the way. Jesus gets sort of the same treatment that Jeremiah got in his prophecy, again, to our point at the beginning, like prophets, the job of a prophet is not a great job. Uh, try not to get it if you can. Um, and Jesus rubs salt in the wound because the, the people in Nazareth are operating from this perspective where God gives good stuff to the good people who are in the good religious club, and they want Jesus to give them rewards, to heal their sick, to bring financial prosperity to their village, all these sorts of things. Um, uh, and, uh, and he doesn't. And so they're ticked. And Jesus quotes to them this thing, uh, these two stories, where he talks about two times when God has done miraculous things in the Old Testament, and he could have helped a widow who was a good Jewish widow he could have helped a leper who was a good Jewish leper that had fallen on hard times and he didn't he helped gentiles uh in both situations he talks about Elijah who has this like miraculous um uh food provision for a widow who's starving in Sidon and Naaman the
1: Syrian who's like got a kidnapped Jewish slave so <laughs> right
0: right uh, and, and the uh, thing that they
1: failed to realize, yeah. too, is that the rest of the world here, Jesus has come and given them the real word. But then but, they think they're better than that. Nevertheless, the rest of the Jewish world's like Nazareth. What good could possibly come out of Nazareth? You know what I mean? Right. They failed to realize that they are the name in the Syrians as well. They failed to realize that they're the Zarephath, uh, the widow at Zarephath and Sidon. You know, I mean, this is a this is a problem.
0: Yeah, so I think in terms of how this speaks to people's lives, um, it shows how God works. God um, God works in forgotten things and overlooked things and humble things. God works in your failures. God works in your anxieties. God works in your paralysis. God works in the places where you fe- actually feel abandoned. This is what it means for Jesus to be this itinerant, broke rabbi from a nothing town. Um and so this is how God works. And it's also, that's underlined by the fact, who does God work with? God works with people who are in those down and out sorts of situations. Yes. Um, and and, that, and people don't want to hear it because people want a, a message of like success and that God gives, you know, gold stickers to the people who are achievers. And that's why they want to throw Jesus off a cliff. That's they right. They literally
1: want to kill him. Well, not only that, but they don't want to confess that they are the Uh, the widow in Zarephath they don't want to like that is a painful message to confess and to deliver you know that's the law um they are what good could possibly come out of this freaking place you know what i mean and like they don't reckon that is a position nobody recognizes you know what i mean like the i guarantee you Naaman, this great general of syria did not recognize that he was going to be used as a sermon illustration of god like working where you don't dare want to see you know i mean like that is a power but that is how god actually works and when that word is heard, because it can't be seen, uh, when it's seen, we will all throw Jesus off the cliff and nail him to the cross. Uh, but when that word is heard and it hits the heart, uh, man, it's the best news ever. And man, it opens the eyes of the blind. It frees the captive and uh, does all of those great things. Yeah, and
0: I think the if I could just underline how I would preach this in uh, maybe a as short and succinct as way as I possibly can. In reading that Isaiah passage just before this, Jesus said, I have come to set captives free. I've come to give sight to the blind, etc." So for that message to have any meaning or import to you, you have to believe that you are a captive. You have to believe that you are blind. You have to believe that you are poor. You have to believe that you are someone who does not have it all together. So that message is offensive if you think you're not blind, if you think you are great, if you think you have it all wrapped up. And so Jesus's invitation is to see yourself as a person in need, which most people don't want to admit, uh, which is why they want to kill him. So uh, the invitation here is to get honest and get real, as opposed to pretending like you have it all together but to acknowledge who you actually are, which is a person in great need and a person who's not been able to get his or her life together. And once you've done that, then you are, um, you're dead because the me project has now died. Mm-hmm. The ego, the self, all that climbing ladders and trying to get the brass ring, all that sort of stuff, that's dead. But now that you're dead, God can work with you because God's business is raising dead people from the grave to new life. So the invitation is to come and die, but nobody wants that. Everybody wants Jesus to come be my life coach and tell me how to get better. Jesus comes so that you can acknowledge that you're dead, so he can raise you to new life. Amen. That's what I would say. That no, wasn't as short as I wanted, but I hope it praise God. sums it up. A little rambly,
1: but you got there.
0: Well, I appreciate the <laughs> feedback, Jake. I can't tell you how much that means
1: to me. You spoke the truth <laughs> to me in love. Well... Jacob is patient. Jacob is (laughs) done. Everybody, well, have a great uh, week and happy preaching. And uh, we will uh, see you next week or hopefully in three days at our um, our, uh, same old song preaching conference. Looking forward to seeing you there. Crafting the gospel-focused sermon for Lent. Amen.